Great. Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a vision for you big book study. My name is Craig F. and I'm the Recovered Compulsive Overeater. Today's date is August the 19th, um, 2019, and we're reading from the big book on page 48, the third paragraph that starts, Everybody Nowadays Believes, and we're going to do one paragraph. Today's readers are Melissa C. for the Steps, Anita B. for the Traditions, Kim G., Allison L., and Melissa C. for the uh, readers of the big book. The newcomer greeter is Renee A., and the host of the second hour is Leslie M. The reference number for yesterday's wonderful meeting on gratitude was 13,291. That's 13291. The OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We're self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organizations, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors, and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states that each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I'm now going to ask Melissa C. to read the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. Hi, good morning. Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, We're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. And Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening, 
as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to alcoholics and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you, and I'll pass. Thank you very much. Okay, now I'm going to ask Anita B. to read the 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. Good morning. The 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facilities or outside enterprise, lest money Less problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven of every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service center may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you. Thank you, Anita. Okay, how our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We're sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute once you're done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speakers should be muted. Today we resume our study of the big book on page 48, the third paragraph that begins, everybody nowadays believes. I'm gonna ask Kim G to begin reading and get us started. Good morning, Kim. Good morning, Craig. Everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions of which there is good evidence, but no perfect visual proof. And does not science demonstrate that visual proof is the weakest proof? It is being constantly revealed as mankind studies the material world that outward appearances are not inward reality at all to illustrate. 
And good morning, everyone. My name is Kim G, and I'm recovered since uh, January 2011. And, uh, you know, as I read this, I thought to myself, you know, I remember the last week I got a little alert on my iPhone saying, update, we've got upgrade. And all I did was hit okay. I didn't ask what that meant. I didn't review anything. I just said okay, not understanding what was going to be in my phone. And when the new iPhone comes out, there's often a waiting list. And if you ask people what features they're buying, they honestly don't know because we're just knowing that, oh, it's a better, it's a better phone, I'm going to get it. Yet with the spiritual life, you know, we question the steps. We question the spiritual life. I have to have that right sponsor. We want to delay it because we want to figure it out. So why do we submit to these 12 steps? Because we have learned in the prior paragraphs that we're powerless. And if we are powerless, the obvious solution is a power. So step two is not asking us to believe in God, believe in the spiritual you know, uh, religion. It's simply saying, do you need a power? And for me personally, the way I personalize this is simply GPS. You know, I have zero sense of direction. You know, and I had this GPS, and I just submitted to it. I bought it. I didn't ask where the satellites were in the air. I didn't want to see who the engineer was. I didn't want to see the patents. But what happened is I started to use that GPS. I started to believe because I was getting results. I have to tell you, I recovered eight years ago. And that power, that relationship I had with God, it isn't enough today. I need to grow in understanding. When we talk about the God of our understanding, I often say it's the God beyond my understanding. Because if I can understand God, he's not big enough. And once again, I go back to, to my GPS. I now have this social media GPS. You know, it, it, tell, it tells me about traffic. You know, I went to this 15-week big book series a couple years ago. And I, every week, I took a different bridge. So I took the Ben Franklin Bridge. I took the Metropolitan Bridge. Sometimes I would take I-95. Sometimes I would take Street Road. But I just trusted that GPS would get me to that series. And it did every single week. You know, last, last year, I heard a little pop-up. And it said, do you want to connect your GPS to your calendar? And I simply said yes, not even knowing what that meant. But what that meant is that now I go to yoga on Tuesday nights, and I get a little pop-up saying, Kim, yoga is at 7 p.m. And traffic is light. It should take you 18 minutes to get there. So as I grow in understanding, this relationship with God becomes deeper and more profound. And all I'm being asked to do at this point is say, is the way that you're running your life working? And if it's not, and you're powerless, do you need that power. And the more reliant I come on that power by going through the steps and continuing to work the steps, the more that I realize that that power can do for me what I cannot do for myself. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim. Appreciate it. Okay, now we're going to take uh, names for people to share. I'm going to remind you that we uh, ask you if you've shared in the last couple of days, and that means Thursday or Friday of e in either hour last week, I ask you to uh, uh, stand back and let somebody else's voice come out. Even if it takes them a minute to say their name, let's uh, encourage a variety of voices on here the best we can. So who would like to share on the paragraph that Kim G. just read? Barbara B. Barbara B. On M. I'm sorry, who was, was it? Vaughn M or Vaughn M. Uh, all right. I'm gonna say it was Vaughn. 
on a frapple. I'm sorry, I'm not getting that one either. I had a Marianne something, and then Marianne Rifka. Oh, hi, Marianne Rifka. All right, and then who was the other one? On M. I, I have Yvonne or on whatever that is. Um, there was another name. I have Kim. I have Barbara B. Vaughn M. Marianne Rifka. On M. On or Vaughn? Spell that for me. Maureen H. Good morning, Maureen. I got you. Anybody else? Get a couple more. Rachel. You never should. Oh, good morning, Rachel. Thank you. One more. Lane C. Lane? Yep. Okay, great. All right. Um, let's uh, get started here. I've got Barbara B. followed by... Vaughn or on M, and Marianne Rifka, Maureen H, Rachel S, and uh, Lane C. Okay, uh, Barbara, go ahead, get us started. Thank you. This is Barbara B, recovered compulsive overeater in Massachusetts. I want to look at the um, the portion of this reading that says, outward appearances are not inward reality at all. And to transfer that from this look at science, uh, I want to transfer it to my experience with myself. And looking at my own body when I was twice the size I am now, I always felt I look so different from the way I am inside. If only there could be a unity between my inner self and my outer self and that outer self that I presented to the world never revealed what was inside my true self I always wanted that unity and I could never accomplish no matter what I did Uh, even if I lost weight so that my outer body presented a certain look to the world I still had all the anger the fear the guilt the shame the whole profile of this disease inside so it's very true both scientifically and I think humanly at least for me that was my experience that my prayer and my hope for a unity of being where the outward appearance and the inner life could be united only comes about through this program through the cleansing that works itself through the 12 steps and the way of life so that there's a unity of being. Now, when I look at other people, uh, the most glamorous, gorgeous people could be very mean and hateful and all the other stuff, or they could be very insecure and yet be very accomplished. So I think it's true that one can't read the inside by the outside. Uh, and I like applying that to the, to the human experience as, I, as I'm reading this and listening to it. Thank you. I pass. Thanks, Barbara. Okay, 
Next we have, and would you please spell your name for me? It was Vaughn or on M. Hi, it's Anne, A-N-N-E, M from Ireland. Oh, on. Okay, thank you. We'd say Hi. that Anne. Hi. <laughs> yeah, it's Anne. Yeah, thank you very much. My name's Anne. Yeah. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Ireland. Um, I just want to share because I haven't shared on this meeting. Um, and I just love that paragraph. I thought it was going to go to the next paragraph with Kim. But the parts where it says, uh, you know, good evidence. Um, and, you know, evidence that a higher power was active in, 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 in recovered people's lives. Um, and just seeing that in members in my own face-to-face meeting, you know, that were abstinent, um, clearly abstinent, and uh, and had emotional sobriety. That was so inspiring for me. Um, and, you know, this disease, you know, robbed me of a lot. Um, and the way I see it, you know, that I could keep it undercover for so long because... The outward appearance definitely didn't match the inward reality. Um, you know, I was uh, drunk on food. I was totally in inter- my insides were in turmoil. I was suicidal, um, but I was still functioning as a human being and as a worker and as a, a family member. Um, but I'm grateful today, and thanks to Vision, is a huge part of my recovery uh, that I have recovery. And I'm working through the steps and, you know, the vision way. And it's so, so, so good for me. Um, and I just want to thank you for your service, Craig. And thanks to Kim G and all the other readers. So thank you. And with that, I pass. All right. Thanks, Owen. All right. Next, we have uh, Marianne Rifka. Marianne? Hi. Good morning. It's Marianne Rifka H. in New Jersey. Thank you so much, Craig, for your service. And I, I love this chapter and just these arguments that they present to us are so powerful. Um, and, yeah, basically it's, it's, it's saying here that I I just have to look around at the evidence and see, you know, that, that this is working. And when I came here and even when, I, when I'm in here in these rooms and I, you know, I'm slipping away from God somewhat, I just have to look at the evidence. I look around me and the people who are – doing what they need to do are happy, joyous, and free. They have a higher power that they can rely on. And they're doing a lot better than I do when I move away from God. You know, when I, when I move away from God, life starts to look very black, and I feel very miserable, and I feel very scared, and I feel very angry, and I am miserable. And all of those things lead me to eat or to want to eat. Um, and for some reason, when I'm listening to people share, what's coming to me is, um, that place in the big book, I think on page 100, where it talks about that when we put ourselves um, in God's hands, you know, when we look back, we see that that when we put ourselves in God's hands, things came out much better than anything we could have planned. And I don't know why these two are connected in my head, but it's almost like the more opportunities I give God to work in my life, or higher power, whatever you want to call it, um, the more I showing up for me and 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 I see how things indeed go better than I could have planned and that only serves to help me to strengthen for me that yes I can't figure this thing out it might not make sense to me why this works or how this works or how there really could be a God or whatever it is that my hang-up might be but the bottom line is that it works and if I give it enough enough opportunities I see that it works again and again I'm just, I'm so, so grateful to be reviewing this for today because I, I've said this before, and I feel like I'm constantly on a downward escalator. 
And unless I'm constantly learning this and reminding myself of this stuff, I'll just slip back down to self-will. I need to be constantly running up that downward escalator and moving towards higher power. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks for this opportunity. Thanks, Marianne. Okay, next we have um, Maureen H. Maureen? Hi, good morning. Maureen H., Recovered Compulsive Eater in um, South Florida. Um, the line that really jumped out at me this morning is the scores of assumptions. And um, that's something I've been kicking around in my own head for a while um, because I'm reading this chapter with someone right now, too, um, and we just read this paragraph. But, um, you know, I, I've been thinking a lot about my problems, quote-unquote, and where my focus is and realizing there's a lot of, um, it's all, for me, it's, a, it's an issue of perspective. You know, I can stay so narrow-minded and focused on, like, my problems, quote-unquote, at work. And I can let those spin out, you know, in my own head, spin out into the bigger, oh, my God, the whole world's crashing down on me. Or I can let it ruin my whole day in my life because I don't keep that perspective of, okay, what's really going on here? And where's God in my day? Where's God in my life? And is what's going on at work really the most important thing in my life? Enough that it's causing me this like physical upsetness and reaction. Um, you know, because assumptions is like even the assumption that that's my whole world or that's what's most important. But I know now, I mean, I've been reflecting more and praying more and God's been giving me guidance about perspective. And there's so much more to this world that's bigger than wherever I narrowly focus my vision. Um, I think about that chapter or that story in the back of the book, too, that talks about my magnifying mind and how when I magnify or when I focus on the problem, the problem increases. Well, it's the same thing when I narrow my focus to some little issue and I keep you know, beating my head against it. No wonder that's all I can think about and it looks all the more insurmountable. Um, but getting back to this paragraph, you know, it's talking about assumptions and what's really under the surface. And there's a lot of assumptions I take in my day that, again, like can help me give that perspective of like, I assume my next breath is going to come. I assume my heart's going to keep beating to the next moment. And that's certainly a bigger problem than whatever my problem is at work. But I don't sit here and worry about whether or not I'm going to take my next breath or worry about, like, you know, whether I'm going to have my heart beat one more second and get to live this life one more day, one more minute, one more second, you know? So, again, it just comes back to perceptions and perspectives, rather. Um, right now, I'm sitting at a lake, and there's it's completely still on the surface, but I know underneath there's, like, tons of little things going on, little fish flying around and and bugs and stuff and people, you know, digging in the sand or whatever. And it's like, there's so much more in front of me than wherever I narrowly focus. And so just assumptions and perceptions and perspectives, it's all like coming out here and I'm the only one limiting it. I'm the only one trying to run the show. So that's just my, my thought and message for the day. And thank you for letting me share. Thanks, Maureen. Okay, Rachel. Rachel S., you're up. 
thank you. It's Rachel F. as in freedom. I really appreciate um, being here and thank you. I'm being able to share. Uh, I usually listen a lot. I don't usually get to share. I listen a lot to the recordings. And I appreciate uh, learning so much from everyone's uh, experience, strength, and hope. And today, I, I, yeah, I, I'm grateful that I am in this program and I and I find the power greater than myself, and it's not food anymore or any other uh, uh, people, places, or things. And I can turn to that power, and it's helping me uh, in my life. And I can turn with anything and everything in my life that's going on and, and not hurt myself with food anymore. It's really amazing how this program works if I just uh, work it. Thank you for letting me share. I'll pass. Thank you, Rachel. Appreciate it. Um, next, we have Lane C., and then we're going to take another list of names. Lane? Good morning. Uh, this is Lane C. Uh, Craig, thank you so much for your service this morning and for this and, and for everybody for sharing for this fabulous meeting. Um, I, everybody nowadays believes in scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence but no perfect visual proof. Um, I guess to me what's, what's standing out here are certainly some of the assumptions that I made um, about uh, this program and while I was in this program around really kind of desiring some perfect visual proof around what was going to happen and also like some of the assumptions that I made that, you know, even though so many people on this line and so many people in the rooms of recovery were sharing that, you know, that God had done for them what, what they could not do for themselves and not, not believing that that was going to happen for me, even though, you know, the visual proof, the spiritual proof, the, um, the emotional proof, I could hear it in your voices. I could see it in the, in the folks who were standing before me in the in-person meetings that I'm in. Um, and, and what's wild is I think I really wanted, like, perfect proof, and I really wanted to work this program perfectly. And, um, and perfectionism is still a character defect that I struggle with. And, and um, it was kind of this mindset, this blockage that I had around this program. It's either going to be perfect or, you know, I'm not going to do it. I'm either going to work it perfectly or, or I'm not going to do it. Um, and I, I hear this so often in folks who, and in myself, when I have relapsed, um, you know, I hear this where folks are, are struggling with, well, I haven't, you know, done abstinence perfectly, so forget about it, you know, or, um, or God isn't showing up for me perfectly in this moment while I'm struggling and really, you know, um, facing a ton of trials in my life. And, um, and, you know, and so, so uh, forget about it, forget about this program. Um, and, and I can say in my life that visual proof was some of the weakest proof. Um, I, I was so stuck in not being able to tell the truth from the false uh, prior to, to getting recovered. So stuck in not being able to tell the truth from the false that it was hard for me to tell, like, um, how, much, how much food I was consuming, how that was affecting my outward appearance. Um, I didn't know what was going on. I was confused constantly, um, even though, you know, count, counter to some of the, the visual proof. Um, and so, you know, I, I also, I just, I feel like oftentimes the scientific piece for me or what makes sense to me um, is a block from my higher power. Um, and so this program has really helped me to kind of learn a different way to just continually to tr trust and rely on 
a higher power of my understanding on something more important than myself, on something larger than me, and just continue learning that trust relationship day after day, 10th step and 11th step after 10th step and 11th step. And I'm so grateful for that and so grateful for all of you, uh, for folks who have shared and, and for folks who will share. So thank you so much. With that, I'll pass. Well, thank you, Lane. Okay. Um, remind everybody that we're sharing from page 48, the third paragraph that starts, Everybody Nowadays Believes. And so let's take another lineup. If you haven't shared in the last couple of days, I invite you to please put your name forward here and share with us where you're at. Thanks. Who'd like to share? Kelly S. RB. All right. I've got Kelly S. And Lisa then RB, something... Florida. All right, Lisa, thank you. Who else? Connie C. Connie. Morrissey. Mara. Who else? All right, well, let's go ahead and go with those four. I've got Kelly, Lisa, Connie, and Mara. Kelly, go ahead. Good morning. Good morning, Craig. It's Kelly S., recovered compulsive overeater and bulimic in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Um, glad to be on the line this morning. I really love this paragraph um, and really related so much to what Kim was sharing. Pretty ironically sad and funny. Um, I'm the same way. Anytime I get updates, I'm just like, except, except. Um, and I have no clue how computers, electronics, any of this crap works. I just want the best of whatever's out there. But yet, um, with this higher power thing, you know, I, I seriously wanted proof. Even though in the 12 and 12 it talks about we no longer need a burning bush. I had a therapist one time tell me, um, I have a feeling if you saw a burning bush, you'd be like, oh, my God, burning bush, give me a fire extinguisher. You know, it's like, so I'm not really sure what kind of real proof I wanted because I'm sure I'd freak out on the real stuff. But... You know, the thing is, um, I shared this uh, last week on the 10 a.m. meeting, but so I have this spiritual mentor and a 12-step guy that um, that speaks a lot. And, you know, my thing, you know, I would hear a lot of times about um, my closed mind about God and the Christian concept of God. If we do all these things to earn our passage into heaven, because what if we die and we find out there's this God and, and we hadn't done all this, right? Well, his his belief was a little bit different, and I just loved it because he shared so what if, you know, I live this spiritual life, you know, based on all these principles of honesty, integrity, truth, you know, service, um, all these things, you know, by spiritual principles, and I get to the end of my life, and I die, and I find out there's not a God. Well, so what? I've lived an amazing, spiritual, service-filled, happy, free life, right? So I just, I don't know, that just really spoke to me, because, you know, what are my motives here? It's like, um, you know, I... I need a higher power. I like to say that you know, I, I looked at you guys. I listened to you for 30-something years. I started listening to Vision, you know, when it first started. I heard, I heard the proof that there was this power. And I would like to say that's what did it for me. But, you know, the truth was it was desperation. It was desperation every time, this time, that said to me, okay, I'm going to try this higher power thing. What do I have to lose, right, because my power is not working. So I started doing that, and I had to work the steps. No, I didn't even realize it said it's step 12, 30-something years, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps. You know, I wanted to feel God now, 
to get this thing. But I had to work the steps to get to that. Sometimes I feel God, sometimes I don't. But I do it in spite. And now, four and a half years later, neutrality with food, working steps, my life is changing. There is nothing other that can explain this but the work of a higher power. Because I'm telling you guys, I've been in these rooms for years. I thought I had done everything that I could do. And the only thing I could do was work these steps in their entirety as laid out in this book. You know, lean into God, lean into you guys, work it, not need proof. Now I have it. I have it every day. I have it because every day that I'm abstinent with neutrality, every day I'm willing to be honest. And I'll wrap up with this, Craig. And every day that I'm willing to share my truth and, and, and change and make amends, do my 10 steps, that is proof that there is a higher power. And I'm so grateful today that I'm working this program. Glad to be here. Thanks. I pass. Okay, Kelly. Thank you. All right, Lisa RB, your turn. Lisa, please unmute. Did I get that Good name morning. right? Good morning. Yes, yes, sir. Good morning. This is Lisa <laughs> RB from Crystal River, Florida, compulsive eater. Uh, I wanted to just say how this paragraph hit me personally when it talked about scores of assumptions for which there is good evidence but no visual proof. And then when it said outward appearances are not inward reality at all. And I just got done giving away, um, doing a fifth step. And the way I related to this is that as I was doing the writing with my resentments and fears and and harms done others. I had put so many things down. And then by the time I got to the final columns, by the time uh, I got to the different writings that revealed real truths after I had said the sick man's prayer or the resentment prayer or the fear prayer, I had gotten to a different reality at the end, a place where my mind and my heart were no longer tight and fearful and and in the grips of of my my diseased mind and I'm just so grateful that as I work these steps that God is continuing to give me spiritual awakenings on a daily basis and that there is there was such miraculous change that's already happening in my attitude and perceptions I came home yesterday after doing my fifth step and it's like my world had had changed and my heart had changed. And I'm just so grateful and just I'm I'm willing to continue to do action, 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 as my sponsor says. So thank you. Thank you, Lisa. All right, Connie C, your turn. Good morning. Uh, this is Connie C recovered in Tennessee. And um, thank you to everyone for your service. Um, I've been reading these paragraphs the last several days, and what occurs to me is that I've so tried to make my higher power the scientific thing. This, um, and I grew up in a very uh, religious family. I've learned in later years, not spiritual. It was very rule-bound. And, um, and I've been in and out of OA for 23 years. And the longest stretch of abstinence until this last um, year plus was 
362 days of abstinence. But what's occurred to me is sitting with a lot of time going, how come it's working this time? And it didn't all those other years. And what I keep going back to is that, um, is that when it talks about beliefs and scores of assumptions for which there's good evidence, but no perfect visual proof of how my, even my higher power had to be perfect. If I had to be perfect, it had to be perfect. And especially being born unwanted and all this other stuff that had occurred in my life. And, um, and why now? Because I hit such a rock bottom that um, I didn't know it existed. But what I keep going back to is that during all of this time of getting to this point, um, we've been a St. Jude family, and um, uh, my son is older. So I had all these teenagers, and there was one that came to my house one day, and because um, they would just spend time with us, and because we live in Memphis, and she kept telling me her name is Hannah. And she said, Miss Connie, I'm going to be going home soon, and I'm not going to be back spending time with you. And, and I said, well, I'll come see you over in Knoxville. She said, no, you don't understand. I'm going home to my real home. And she said, but I'm concerned because I don't feel that you really know how much God's got you. And she said, you've got it in your head, but I'm here to tell you it has not moved to your heart. And she said, can I show you what it feels like? And she took me in her arms and I felt something, talk about there was something in her eyes. I felt something that happened physically to where I, everything fell from that this is a head game to that it's all about the heart and it's all already there, whatever higher power is for anyone. But I physically had the sensation, that awareness that is an awakening in a different way. And tears came through and she looked into my eyes. She left soon after and she died um, just a few weeks later. She was uh, just turned 20. So this time what's different is that my number one focus is how tight can I tether to my higher power? That's my number one thought every day when I spill out of bed. And I don't talk to anyone until the connection is made with higher power, not my husband, not my dog, no one. And um, so I just want to share that even that for me had become scientific rule bound and all of this recovery this time and these whatever it is, 14 months of abstinence, entire abstinence and everything is so higher power anchored that whatever it is that makes the cogs in the earth go round is the same feeling of I just don't need to know. Just bring the peace and bring the love and help me show how to give that to others. And with that, I pass and thank you, everyone. All right, thank you, Connie. All right, Maura Z, you're up. Good morning, Maura. Good morning, Craig. Thanks so very much for your service. Appreciate that this morning, starting my timer. Um, Maura Z, recovered in Virginia. Celebrating a couple of things today. Um, by God's grace and mercy, I have five years today. And today also would have been my father's birthday. And those two things combined remind me of something someone said at a meeting when I lived out in California that has stuck with me ever since. I had been still acting as if at that time um, I believed in God, but acted as if I knew he was working in my life. When the speaker asked a very pointed question, and that was, 
when did God work for you in your life? What did God do for you in your life before you gave him permission to do so? And that has been just an amazing, eye-opening, mind-blowing question. And I've shared it from time to time. For me, the answer came to me in a nanosecond. My father suffered from grand mal epileptic seizures. And when the onset of one came, he would let out with this guttural, loud scream. That's how his body physiologically um, reacted to the onset of the seizure. Well, a little kid at six, seven, eight, nine years old, that scream scared the living poo out of me. And from that point on, I was terrified of being alone with my father, not for any other reason. I loved my father. He was a loving father. There were no other issues, but I was terrified because the scream scared me, and I didn't know if I was going to be able to take care of my father. Well, don't you know, by the time he passed, I had been alone with my father maybe half a dozen times, and he'd never had a seizure, not once. That's what God did for me. And then it started coming clearer and clearer in my head, and I could start picking out many, many times when he was there for me. I had my good evidence. I had no perfect visual proof, but I had the evidence that he had been in my life all along. When I moved here to Virginia, when I moved back, all the ducks, all the ducks were in a row. Absolutely. I only had to rent a car for one day, found a place to live with, for free with my dog, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So if you're on the fence, think about it. When was God working in your life before you gave him permission to do so? And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Mara. Okay, we're going to take uh, some more names. Um, Again, if you haven't shared in the last couple of days, please uh, think about doing so now. Um, we're sharing on page 40, from page 48, the third paragraph. Go ahead. Dorita P. Fran M. Wait a minute. I got Dorita and the Saran. Fran. Fran. Oh, I got Hi. Fran M. Huh? Ramona A. Ramona. Vasa O. Vasa O. I got you, Vasa. All right, let's go with that lineup. Uh, that maybe will take us out. Dorita P., Fran M., Ramona, and Vasa O. Okay, Dorita, go ahead. Thank you, Craig. Thank you so much for your service. I'm real grateful to be here. Uh, my name is Dorita P., and I'm from Cleveland. Um, really, um, I like this part, scores of assumptions, scores like a bunch of assumptions. And I like what people shared before about, um, you know, uh, up, updates, uh, these, uh, uh, updates on our phones and computers, uh, and we just press accept or, you know, you know, n n we don't read, you know, that three or four pages of, uh, small print we just press accept and uh and that's what i did with my sponsor i, I guess i pressed accept um 
you know, this uh, thing about a higher power, um, I was angry at God when I came in. Uh, Four or five people had died in about two years, and people were just dying. I'm like, well, if there is a higher power, he surely hasn't done anything for me or he's not doing anything for me. Um, So my higher power was my sponsor, and, you know, I couldn't stay abstinent. Um, And so I went to my sponsor and said, well, how is it that you've been abstinent for 20 years? Because she didn't demand anything from me. You know, she didn't demand or she didn't say I needed to be abstinent before she worked with me. She just worked with me. Um, And she said, well, I don't eat flour and sugar. And I had heard that before uh, about no flour and no sugar. And so I'll just close with this. She said, um, well, it takes uh, three weeks or three days. I can't remember what she said for sugar to get out, out of your system. And once it's out of your system, you won't have those those gnawing cravings, and I didn't believe her, um, so I did it just to prove her wrong, but she was right. I abstained from sugar uh, and flour those days, and um, days or weeks, whatever it was, a really short period of time, I just acted as if I was just on a diet for those few days, and and I didn't have those cravings, and I was able to uh, stay abstinent. and I lost 100 pounds, and uh, I was losing weight so fast that I didn't know when I was going to stop losing weight. And I, I believed in her again. She said, I said, well, how would I know when I'm at go weight? She said, well, Dorita, if you just stay abstinent, God will put God will put you at the weight you should be at. So I'm just really grateful for this program. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you, Craig. Thank you, Dorita. Okay, uh, Fran M., your turn, followed by Ramona. Hi, this is Fran M. Um, Yeah, I'm so glad to hear everybody. Um, I love the person sponsor who just spoke. What a great sponsor. Yeah, um, I, I don't talk about God as a he, as a man who gives me orders or a person I think of God as goodness. I was on vacation recently, and to me, God was the ocean and the sky and everything bigger than me and better than me and wiser than me. I also find in my 40 years of program, and that's pretty much in recovery, um, I lost 50 pounds when I came in in 1978. I've never gained them back. Um, I don't think of God as someone who finds me parking spaces. because it doesn't work. History is full of horrible events, and most of us will experience sad and maybe even tragic events in our lives. I think of God as a power that gives me the strength to deal with whatever comes along, whether it's good or bad or whatever. Sometimes I don't even know. But it's a calmness, and I just love Bill Wilson for helping me discover that all God has to be is a power greater than myself that I can reach higher and go better and be stronger and adopt more wisdom than I have within myself by accumulating it from outside of myself. And I guess I just wanted to clarify, that's how I think about it. And I could be an atheist and think about it that way. I could be an agnostic and think about it that way. Conversely, there are many people who believe in the you know, God as a man up there and do terrible things. So we all just don't know. It's really 
I guess, how we walk the walk and talk the talk. But for me, for staying abstinent in this program, which is the concern of not practicing my disordered eating behaviors uh, and living a better life and being a better human being or striving to be one, I just reach out to some force that's greater than myself. And that's a pretty easy concept to accept, I think. So I don't think it matters whether you are very religious in a traditional sense or completely atheistic. You could still believe that there's just some force out there that's better than you in every way. And you can strive to feel that way, whether you're waiting at the Department of Motor Vehicles or you're in a hospital room. And I just hope to have that power regardless of whether things work out for me or not. So thank you for letting me share. I had a wonderful time on vacation and was able to let go of a lot of disordered eating behaviors. And um, I was so afraid I wouldn't have a good time without all my old friends of food and drink. But I had a great time. I had just as good a time as I always have. And that just baffles me. Maybe I even had a better time. I certainly had better relationship with my daughter, and I'm so grateful for that. So thanks to this program, and thanks for everyone for letting me share. All right. Thanks, Fran. Ramona, your turn. Hi. Uh, this is Ramona A., a recovered compulsive overeater from Vermont, and thank you, everyone, for your service. Thank you, Craig. And when it comes to thinking about higher power, I know for so long in my life, I believed in God. I didn't have any trouble with that, but I certainly, it was a terrifying, punishing God to me. And that came from outside influences in my life. And somehow, somehow, God was patient enough with me and worked and worked, you know, to attract me to the idea that Maybe, just maybe, he was a loving God. And there was a time I remember letting go of one tiny little thing, like the step three, you know, thing. I turned my will in my life over. Well, I was willing to turn over one little thing and guess, and really turn it over. And guess what? Things worked out better than I thought. And slowly but surely, I've turned over more and more, you know, so that now... I say, yes, I turn my life and my will over to the care of God. But sometimes there comes something that is very, very challenging for me, and that surrender is more challenging. And I'm living through one of those things with our son now who has some some conditions going on, health conditions that are, and he, he lives very far away. And it's just hard hard to turn that over saying God knows what's best you know the the fear is there and yet I'm working on it and I'm praying with it because I know you know intellectually anyway and I know in my heart too no I've come to know in my heart from from that evidence from God's being there for me that his way his love is greater than mine his way is better, his he's wiser, you know, and he knows what solutions there are, what's going on much better than I do, more than I can ever imagine. So this morning I'm able to turn it over and I thank, you know, just a lot of this program I thank for this ability to do it 
to have the courage to do it and and all the friends who have supported me in this and and um all the step work because it it does work it does work but it for me it, it works to bring me closer and closer to god and that's you know that's the solution for me so i'll let it go at that thank you thanks for hearing me. all right thank you tramona appreciate your share vasa oh i think you're probably going to take us on out all right thank you craig for your service i'm vasa grateful grateful recovered compulsive overeater calling from foxborough massachusetts thank you for your service and everybody's service this morning and for me to believe in God, I I felt I needed to see, to touch. And I did uh, did try to connect with God during my lifetime before I came to Overeaters Anonymous. And it seemed like God wasn't there. And I remember saying finally to God on my knees one time, well, there must not be God. You know, if you're not coming through... There must not be God, you know. And, of course, I went in and out consciously sometimes believing in God. But, again, I wanted the proof. Well, I, nothing has gotten me so much closer to my higher power or God until I came to uh, Overeaters Anonymous and I was ready and willing to surrender with the food and put the food in God's hands. I had the gift of desperation and my sponsor at that time said, the only solution for us is to put the food down. And I couldn't do it by myself. I tried to do it for 25 years of my life. I couldn't do it. And I was desperate. And uh, I was at the beginning, yes, I will surrender 150% with the food, God. But I don't know with my life and my will yet, you know. But I did say it out loud. I was very, very skeptical, trusting and relying on God in other areas. So my first step was, which I didn't even know, it was my first meeting, coming to the, you know, to my first meeting, coming home and getting in the bathroom, closing the door and surrendered. I I can't, you can, and you, I let you. I didn't even know that, that existed in the big book. But my sponsor did 12-step me a little bit. And she said, this is the only solution. The allergy, I had no clue I had an allergy. I had no clue I had food addiction or I had a eating disorder. I just thought I loved to eat. And food was my friend. And I was saying, how could I do this for the rest of my life? And she said, one day at a time, one meal at a time. And this is the only thing that has worked for me. It's by the grace of God, putting those foods that, were toxic to my body, one day at a time, one meal at a time. I thought I was going to go crazy not having them. A reminder. Oh, thank you. So that's the answer to the problem right here, and I haven't left 34 years almost. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, and thanks to everybody he shared today. It was a good meeting. Um, please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. The share ID for the meeting we're just now concluding is 13292. 
13292 and the one for yesterday on gratitude was 13291. Okay, uh, we're now going to close with a reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. We'll, um, let's see, who's doing that? Uh, uh, Allison L., uh, please read A Vision for You. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. I sure will. This is Allison L., recovered in Dayton, Ohio. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.